all things automotive with the petrol head Nico Smith. Hello, petrol head Nico Smith. How are you? I am good, Michelle. How are you? Well, I'm telling you, we we have had to make like the worst possible cup of coffee here in the studio. There was <laughs> there's no milk. There's no. It's like oh. full on, absolutely awful coffee. And as I said to the others, can't we just ask Nico to bring some in? And then I suddenly realised, no, of course. But Nico's not in today, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry that you have to make do with, with oh, that. Pretty um, I'll try and make it up soon. You'll have to make it up soon because it was pretty freaking horrible. But anyway, I know that you had an excellent cup of coffee, didn't you? I did. I actually had two. Normally, I just have one this morning. I just finished the second one. So it's a great start in the morning with a good... Sorry, I shouldn't say that. You just <laughs> you didn't have a good start in the morning with coffee, but I had a great start in the morning with good coffee. And what um what did you have? No, I just had the normal, you know, the normal cortado stuff. So uh, yeah, you're you're a cortado guy, huh? I am. I like a cortado. So yes, <laughs> good start to the day. <laughs> so um, uh, have you got questions or do we jump in? I jump like first. Jump questions. jump first. Jump in. I know you've got some things you want to talk about. Yes, a lot of the time actually, well, a lot of the time I don't get to the things I want to talk about, which is actually alright because I, as I said, I enjoy the questions the most. Um, and I never re- know where to start, but let's start with this. All new cars in Europe sold from July 2024 will have a black box. So a black box wow. comes from the... Yeah, so of course, um, so, um, the black box, of course, uh, airplanes have them. You see this if you watch any documentary on press um, investigations. They're always looking for the black box, which is orange. Um, and the black box, of course, is a data recorder. So it has records, voice, of um, and flight data, um, and, and other information that can then be used to to see what happened, why did the airplane cra- crash? And for the European Union, uh, Union, the same is now also mandatory in the car. So any car sold in the European Union from 20, from July 2024 will then have a data recorder inside the car. In other words, they will then, um, uh, after the accident, you can see things like what is the speed, what is the braking position, position, and even the tilt of the car, how um, did the safety systems like the airbags and the peak tensioners react? Um, hmm. the car, of course, cars in Europe also have to make an equal. There's quite a few cars in South Africa that have not got a built-in SIM card that can make emergency calls, but also see um, how did that um, work. Or, um, or even things like if there's a change in speed of lateral or lateral acceleration of more than eight kilometers, in other words, an hour. If a car suddenly moves in a, uh, and let's say you're moving forward and suddenly moves more than eight kilometers an hour to the left, the system will record that information on the black box. So I think, it, of course, it's very, be, be very good in, in case of an accident because you can then look at the data and see how fast is the car traveling, what happened, and to try and solve or, um, or yeah, or, or see exactly what was the reasons for the accident. So, I mean, I'm, I imagine some. it's going to be a huge thing for insurance companies and you, they're probably going to be saying, does your car have the black slash orange box? Um, otherwise, you don't get insurance and things like that. No, I, I don't think that will be the case. Um, because if you think about it now, this is uh, from July 24, cars have to have it. In other words, um, it's not the, the manufacturers simply have to put it in their cars in Europe. Um, mm. But then what's the backlog of cars that are around that don't have the black box? So I don't think insurance will stop you having insurance or anything like that. It's just a case of you can get the information um, in the event of an accident, so um, which might help to say if you were a driver and you, you weren't at fault, it might help to say, well, you weren't at fault 
or the opposite will unfortunately happen if you were speeding. Then they can see if you were speeding. But I, I, insurance companies won't. I, I, I can't see them stopping your insurance because you don't have a black box. But what happens is we, we, we're kind of behind Europe and in South Africa and lots of other countries. But eventually that, that technology does filter through. It now it's just a case of how long will it take. Um, so it might be, um, in, you can, of course, think about this as well. It's going to make, the cars will be more expensive. So they're not necessarily then going to bring that to South Africa as an example and just fit it into the cars because it costs them more to put that into a car. So they, they're also not just going to, let's say, I mean, whatever the manufacturer is at thousand euros, they won't put it in all their cars. They'll just simply still put it in the European cars. It's the same as some of the assist systems that are required in Europe. And they tend to be quite ahead when it comes to these safety systems. We won't necessarily see those systems in South Africa immediately, but some of the things might slowly work their way into our cars. Like, like the, 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 the built-in trim car. I recently spoke to a guy, and he was involved, a sales guy at a dealership, and he literally drove out of the dealership. It wasn't mm-hmm. far, um, was inside the dealership, and somebody drove, drove into his car, and the airbags popped. And he said, he sort of, airbags deployed, and... and accident was finished and was thinking sort of, okay, where's my cell phone? And the next moment there was a lady speaking to him and she said, okay, we can see you're in an accident. Um, we know where it's happened. Are you okay? We're sending an ambulance and the police. So, and quite a few cars in South Africa now have built in SIM cards. So already that, if you think of the safety feature, that's a fabulous safety feature to have in your car. Yeah. Okay, we're chatting to Nico, our petrol head. It is 20 to 8. Don't forget, if you'd like to contact him with questions about your car and about driving and about buying cars and about the technical operational stuff with your car, well, you can do it in a variety of ways. You can either WhatsApp us and send us a voice note on 0614 104107. I'll give that to you again. 0614104107. And uh, if uh, that uh, is not your oeuvre, then you can go and give us a call on 086-000-2032 or SMS us on 41391 or follow us on x slash Twitter at SAFM. Uh, radio hashtag SAFMJSB or at Mish Constant. We're going to a break and when we come back we start with some of your questions. All things automotive with the petrol head Nico Smith. Nico is with us uh, in the uh, I was going to say in the studio but no <laughs> what no such luck with Sorry. that one um, but he is on the line with us and if you've got any questions you know what to do. Good morning, Michelle and the team. It's a Saturday, happy Saturday. Um, Michelle, I just wanted to find out from you and Nico, right? So I watch a lot of K-drama movies. <laughs> I, just, I see latest models, new models of cars, like cars that we don't have here um, in South Africa. So I wanted to find out from Nico, how long does a certain car model get to South Africa from like maybe China or any other country? So that's the question. How long does it take for the car model that we see overseas? And sometimes it doesn't, it never gets to us, A. And I suppose B, sometimes it comes to us with a different name as well. So what's the general timeline on something like that? I, I, I guess you've um, done what you now start doing every Saturday and already answer the question very well. Um, <laughs> so you're pretty good at this, Michelle. Uh, that's exactly the first thing. Not all models get to South Africa because it depends on 
um, the, the, the type of buying that he does in Africa. As an example, the best-selling vehicle is the Hilux, double cab. Yeah. Uh, and in, in Europe, the buckies don't even sell as close to uh, as well as they do in South Africa because of the, 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 the lifestyle we have, uh, the terrain we have, the, the, the outdoor lifestyle we have. Yeah. So uh, it looks at the market is a, is a big determining factor. Um, big sedans, for instance, in Europe will be much better than they will be in South Africa. Um, so, so in other words, uh, the manufacturers themselves would look at the, the local market and see, okay, what would actually probably sell here and what wouldn't. Um, they might sometimes take a chance on a car and, and bring it in. But if you bring in a car, it's not just simply a case of bringing in the car. The car has to be serviced somewhere. So you've also got to bring that car in, and then you've got to make sure that the parts are all available. Yeah. Then the car has, has to be serviced. So a lot of the time when a car is serviced, you need special tooling to work on that car. Um, for instance, if you want to replace certain parts in the engine, you need a special tool to, to be able to do that, and the manufacturers normally make these special tools. So those are also factors that determine uh, what, what, you know, if the car comes here because you're going to import the parts and the tools, maybe the lift of the dealership can't do that because it's a sports car, so they need a special lift. So there's actually quite a, a few more um, uh, um, uh, technical things, let's call it that, that would determine um, if the car would come here and if it's worthwhile. So exactly that, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes as well, um, there's cars that are, um, that, let's call it earmarked for South Africa, but they're so popular worldwide and it, it, that our market is too small to make it worthwhile financially. So in other words, uh, it's a car that would sell you, um, but in Europe, the demand, as an example, is, is so high that the manufacturers say, you know, the numbers bringing it to South Africa is too small. If you think about just the shipping costs, the yeah. cars have to be shipped, shipped in it's a long distance. So there's added cost to get the car here. That's going to, you know, that's going to add to the price of the car. So we might as well just sell them in Europe. Um, and then when the sales sort of slow down in Europe, then we'll ship them to South Africa and we'll sell them there. So I think those are part of the factors that, 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 that determine which cars come to South Africa or not. So you're going to, if you start really looking at cars that are available in the world, there's lots and lots of cars that don't come here. And sometimes people will say, we love this car, you know, why doesn't it come to South Africa? But I think these are part of the factors that determine which cars get here and which cars don't. Yeah. I mean, what happens if you, I mean, it doesn't happen often unless you're absolutely loaded, where you would bring in a car like that is not going to be released in the country or, you know, some really super smart, super crazy car. Mm. I mean, that, that, that must be hugely costly. It is extremely costly. Um, and then, of course, the simple thing is how are you going to service that car? So if you, if you um, electric cars, maybe I, I guess you could get away with saying if you bring in an electric car, I know um, that there's, for instance, there's a Tesla Model X that has been bought to South Africa um, at huge cost. I mean, the car can drive around. Of course, the car has to be right and drive. You can't import left and drive cars, so the car has to be right and drive. Um, yeah, but yeah, the cost um, of shipping it here, because you're going to pay tax on it, I think you're going to pay double tax because you're going to pay, buy it somewhere where you're going to be taxed. And in South Africa, you're going to be taxed again. So it does impact on the cost as well. So what people tend to sometimes do is maybe you can get a, a car that's more than 21 years old, um, or you know, in other words, uh, not a brand new car. People would import because they're special, you know, uh, uh, older cars. Mm. But for new cars, it's just way too expensive. It doesn't necessarily make sense. And then the servicing is, is going to be quite an, an expensive issue if you can get it serviced. Okay. Nico, we've got another question for you. Let's crack it in. Hi, Nico. It's Joanne here in Cape Town. Um, I just wanted your um, input on, um, it seems the major car dealerships, 
are not oh manufacturers in South Africa are getting rid of their uh, bottom of the range cars. Um, I have a Honda, which is now oh, 12 years old, and um, the now the entry level Honda. Um, is 379,000. You know, they've got rid of their low-end models. And I spoke to somebody who used to work for um, Ford, and he said they've also just got rid of the Fiesta and the Figo. And the. And you think, well, are they just leaving it to the Koreans or what's going on? So, Nico, you've got uh, less than three minutes to answer that one before we go to a break. Okay. Um, so it's not necessarily... Um um, the case of they're getting rid of these smaller cars, um, it, it depends, of course, on each manufacturer and what their focus is. So Honda is still bringing in you know, cars like the Amaze or the Ballard, but the, 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 the Amaze is around 250,000, um, dependent on the variance, and the Ballard is between 380 and 450, I guess. Um, so they, they're still bringing in entry-level cars, um, but the, 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 unfortunately, uh, the, the value of the RAND impacts on the price of the cars. So what we would normally consider as an entry-level car, and you can get one for less than 200,000 rands, for some brands it might not actually be worth their while to bring in. Uh, maybe the, the cars are not built here. They, well, a lot of cars are imported. That means that the, the, the tax on the cars is a lot. And some brands would just simply decide um, the volume that we sell with these cars and the, 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 the money that we make on it is not worthwhile for the effort to bring them in. Um, so we'll stop that and we'll focus on something that might be a bit more expensive. So um, I think that's uh, each manufacturer has a different choice. And as you said, it could be that they then leave it for other brands. So let's say um, brands like Hyundai or Kia might have entry-level um, cars that that, um, that do quite well. So um, then some brands say, listen, these cars are selling our cars, so it's not worth, worth it for us. Let's focus on something else where we, we make more money. So I'm not 100% always sure what, what the manufacturers of course, the final decisions are, but that could be the case why they don't do that. And in the case of um, Ford, for instance, you're 100% right. So um, they're not selling Figos and Fiestas anymore, um, but the range is doing really well. So it could be just financially, this is where the focus is almost as the range has become the bread and butter vehicle. Mm. So, you know, so now that there are other factors that we don't necessarily always see um, that, that doesn't make it worth a while. And I do think that the weak rand and the high import tax on cars makes cars very expensive. So um, that could be affected. I'm not all sure exactly why they didn't make the decisions. We're chatting to Nico, our petrol head. Any questions you have, you're welcome to send through. We've got a couple more for you, Nico. You can send them through on WhatsApp or as a voice note, 0614-104-107, or uh, you can just SMS 41391. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Okay, Nico, um, here's uh, Wasi who says a very quick question before load sh- uh, shedding hits. Um, oh, oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, Wasi. Let's get the question and the answer in. Uh, Wasi wants to know, does a Dihatsu Syrian need some fluid for the steering wheel? My car's steering wheel locks at times and then I have to sit it out for a while before I can. Geez, that's that's bad news before i can drive off safely that's really unsafe no no i mean it, 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 uh, the steering wheel should definitely not lock um while you are driving i mean that is just super dangerous you need to not drive that car and get it into um get checked out um definitely because um there's not it's not the oil or anything else the, the mechanism somehow is faulty 
because normally the idea, it, and actually it's quite a, a good safety feature if you think about it. If you uh, turn, you take the key out of the ignition or um, when the car is off and you turn the steering wheel, when it locks, it means that if you, you've got the wheels a little bit left or right, they can't really steal your car because it's very difficult to unlock that mechanism. Mm. But the mechanism should um, um, not at all lock when the car is on or idling ignition is on. So there's a fault there. So please have it checked out. It's, you know, it's really dangerous for you on the road because it might happen at a high speed. Uh, it might, even if it happens at 40, uh, it's dangerous. Imagine happening at 60 or 80. So look, yeah. have, it, have it checked out. Absolutely. Wasi, go get that car checked out immediately. Uh, Mr. Axe in East London says, Hi, Mitch and team. Please ask the petrol head. My fuel gauge only goes up halfway, even if I've put a full tank in. Is this covered by my mechanical warranty? And secondly, what is the correct tire pressure on size 17 tires? What's a size 17 tire? Um, okay, so it's simply the, the, the size of the, the 17 inch refers to the size of mag. Um, yeah. So, so the first part, um, I'm not sure how old your car is. Um, normally, a lot of cars, um, uh, you and each car is different actually. So you might have a one year warranty, um, and it could be covered under that warranty. I'm not sure. Um, so I'm not sure what would be the fault. It, um, it definitely have to check it out um, uh, because obviously it, it, in the tank you get a reading. And then you've got the little um, um, the, the, the gauge. So it could be either the gauge or in the tank. So I'm not sure what the fault would be. But, of course, uh, it's supposed to go up all the, the whole way. Um, you've almost got to see what is the warranty on your vehicle. So um, you could simply find the manufacturer, uh, either make your call, find a dealership or find a manufacturer say, I just want to confirm what's the warranty um, or what, what, does, what is covered under my warranty or am I still within the warranty period? Yeah. Um, so if it's less than a year, that shouldn't be an issue. If it's more than a year, it could be dependent on the manufacturer. But normally, if you have something like a maintenance plan, yeah, that would be covered under the maintenance plan. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure what the vehicle is, but that's I mean, the that, answer. That, as you said, that's mm. like just that's like an electrical issue, surely. It could, it could be an electrical issue. Um, I, I, so I, yeah, I think you um, you have to have it looked at, have it checked out. Yeah, um, or find the manufacturer. Um, the, when you come to the 17-inch wheels, of course, that's just simply the, the mag. I'm not sure the tire itself, um, what the size is, but the simple answer is the car will tell you. Um, there's normally three places where you can see that. One is in the fuel cap. So if you open up the fuel cap, the pressures could be in there. The second place is when you open up the door. It's uh, somewhere on the inside of the door. Um, either um, if you, uh, you know, if you open up the door on the uh, the B pillar, in other words, where you if you put your hand down uh, on the door, just on the right hand side, you could see that it could also be on the inside of the door. And then lastly, it would uh, would be in your owner's manual, and that will tell you uh, the correct pressure. So it will normally say um, let's say if it's two two five forty five or seventeen. Um, it'll then say the pressures could be two point. Adam, and I'm just guessing two point three. Yeah in the front and 2.1 in the back or whatever that is. And that's what you stick to. So um, that, that's the place to find it and then stick to those pressures. Um, yeah, don't listen to anybody else. The manufacturer's done lots of testing to make sure that's the pressure for your car. Yeah. So that's where you can find it. Best place is that little sticky place just, um, as you say, just you open your door and it's on the inside, hey? Exactly. So it, And it's simple. I mean, that's what I always do. We, I always forget that when I get to the filling station, open the door and you just have a look again. Oh, it's this next check. And then if you really want to be uh, super accurate, I actually have a tire pressure gauge because at the filling station, some of those gauges have a hard life. 
They're yeah. always being knocked around. So they're not necessarily accurate. Um, so if you want to really be accurate, you get a tire pressure gauge um, that you buy. Um, and those should normally be calibrated. So when I go there, I normally say, okay, go a little bit harder. Or I take my pressure gauge and I ask the petrol attendant, okay, let's pump this to, let's say, 2.2 bar. Um, he checks on the, meter, uh, the machine, 2.2 bar. And then I check it myself and say, okay, they correspond. And then, then I say, okay, thanks. Please do that. Or if I do it myself, I do the same thing. Check that it corresponds to my pressure gauge. And one, if they do correspond or if they see it's a bit higher or lower, that's what I would do. Nico, what's the, um, what's the kind of science behind having um, fuller tyres in the front and less full tyres at the back? It's simply about the weight um, of the car. So um, when, you, when, you, when you have a car and you have the engine in front, there is more weight at the front. So it could be, for instance, that you have a bigger engine in the front um, and it's a bit lighter in the back. And then the front pressures in the front could actually be a bit higher than the pressure in the back. But then if you tend to load it, um, let's say, let's use the example I used. A lot of the time it's the same front and back, let's say 2.2. But it might be that the cost is 2.3 in the front, 2.1 on the back. But if you load people in the front and the back, then go 2.6, 2.6. So it has a little image. You'll see there's an image of a little man sometimes, or it might be little, uh, two, two figures, a man or a woman, and then it would have four figures um, and, that, and some luggage, pictures of luggage. So that simply means empty when it's just you driving and if you have your family in and you'll see those pressures vary. So obviously if you're going long distance and you, you, you're pulling a trailer or a caravan or you're just loading the car with people, then the pressures have to go up. Ah, oh, okay. So, um, okay, so that, that would be how you do it. And also just staying with tires, um, when mm-hmm. is the best time to pump your tires? When... Um, uh, from your house to the garage, if it's a few kilometers, um, or then because um, once you start driving very quickly, the, the, the lateral and longitudinal movement in the tire generates heat, uh, which yeah. means that the pressures go up. So if you want to do it, you need to get to the closest filling station slowly and check the pressures. Uh, doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't help you go on the highway and go drive for about 20 k's and stop at a filling station, check the pressures. They're going to be out because the, the car has generated heat. And then if you drive the car more aggressively and brake harder, that's going to also be a problem. Uh, even your brakes, your brakes are get hot very quickly, and that heat um, from the brakes go into the mag, and the mag goes into the, or that goes into the, the tire. And as you know, it expands with heat. So, yeah, there's uh, low, so the idea would be, again, if you have a first drive, you have a tire pressure gauge, you go check it in the garage in the morning when you wake up. Let's say it's a Saturday tonight. Take your tire pressure gauge, Go to the garage, look at what the measurement is, and you know, okay, that's the pressure, and I need to go up by point two. So then you go to the filling station, um, and then if the tires, you, you might actually already see a difference. But then you know, listen, I need to go up to point, uh, point two up, so whatever they're measuring at the garage, go um, point two of a bar up on, on pressure. So that would be the most accurate way. And the thing is, while we're talking about this accuracy, it really affects the tire life. Even point two um, higher or lower on your tire pressures, is going to affect how long those tires last. So that's why it's really, if you want to look after your tires for the best possible time, your, your best bet is your tire pressures. Um, and if you go way too high or too low, the tire is not going to last as long as when you're always looking at the correct pressures. Wow. Okay, Nico, that sounds good. Go have another cortada before the power goes out. 
and uh, we will speak to you next no, week. I was so quick. I was just getting into my stride. Okay, I know, we'll and I, there were so seconds. many more questions we could have asked you, but there we go. That's life. It's tough. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. Okay, have bye. Have a lovely weekend. Bye. <laughs> Nine o'clock, time for the news. Good morning. <laughs> Independent and impartial. 